At this point, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, and we're going to start here in verse 38, but before we get into the word here, uh, just kind of walk you through a little bit of the setup for uh, today's message. We've been going through this Sermon on the Mount series, and we're going to wrap up chapter 5 today and continue on actually through chapter 7. That's the plan here in, in this spring semester. And, um, you know, as I was looking at kind of the flow of things and it just so happens that our passage today lands on a kind of a big day. There's a big ball game today and all that stuff. I just want to encourage you to not think about that during this message. Uh, put all that off to the afternoon. I mean, the Bears aren't even playing anyway, so why do you have to worry about it? So, you know, why even watch it, right? Yeah, okay. But with that in mind, over the years, we've, we've brought in some individuals that have maybe had some experience in football in one way or another. Um, we've done that, and it, it lands on, on this particular day, given how our nation uh, just rallies around the big game. And where this landed uh, made me think of a friend of mine by the name of Greg Thomas, and he's with us today, uh, lives in Humboldt, and perhaps you've heard from him before, um, but we're going to hear a little bit of a testimony uh, regarding uh, his brother Ed, uh, who was a very well-known football coach and a man of God over in the Applington-Parkersburg area, and I'll let uh, some things uh, come from him in that regard, as well as a video that we're going to be watching here together. But uh, before we get into the Word, I'm just going to take some time here to pray, ask the Lord's blessing over this time, and then I, I just believe the Lord has something very special for us today, and I'm very excited uh, for this time together. So let's pray right now before we get into the Scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time here in your word. You speak to us through your word. I believe that your word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's infallible. And Lord, it's inerrant. And Lord, there's an authority to your scriptures. And as we walk through this passage today, it might confront us with some of the relationships we have here on this earth. And I pray that, Lord, you would speak to us and you would bring healing into these situations. And Father, I also ask for a blessing upon Greg as, as he shares today. And I pray for our children's ministry. Bless them as they get into the word. Lord, please anoint our ministries this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this portion from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, starting here in verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. He says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteousness. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You may be seated. And at this time, I want to direct your attention here to this story regarding Ed Thomas uh, through the 2010 ESPY Awards. Please watch this video. Whole day of Friday is pretty much gauged towards the football field. Who we're playing? How good are they? Growing up in Parkersburg, you dreamt about being out there on the field on Friday nights and playing for Coach Thomas. He arrived in 1975, the new football coach in Parkersburg, Iowa, just 25 years old. Over the next 36 years, Ed Thomas would win 292 games, two state titles, and be named National High School Coach of the Year by the NFL. He sent four players to the pros, but more importantly, turned generations of Parkersburg boys into men. Men like Dave Becker, the captain of Ed Thomas's first Falcon team. We had our meeting and the rules were announced. We were gonna work harder than anyone else. We were fourth quarter would be ours. He uh, convinced us we could be winners. He had the gift of getting kids to elevate their game to a level that they never thought they were even capable of. He expected more out of his football players, that they were gonna set the example of how to act. It was an experience that I wanted when I become a young father for each one of my kids to have. I want them to learn all the intangibles that goes with athletics that are going to make them a better husband, a better dad, a better member in their community, and their church, just a better citizen. Never were those lessons more important than May 25th, 2008. I'm very serious, they need to get here and shut down this area. In just a matter of seconds, the tornado destroyed hundreds of homes and killed eight people. A big part of my life is this school. As you look at our athletic facilities, all destroyed, we're gonna rebuild. Because I don't know how else you deal with it, but to move forward. With his own house amid the rubble, Ed Thomas guided Parkersburg out of the wreckage. Flanked by his current and former players, Thomas led a cleanup effort with an ambitious goal, restore the football field in time for the Falcons' home opener, just 100 days away. He just set the tone very early and we were gonna dust ourselves off, we were gonna help each other, and we were gonna get through this. I asked him, Coach, what can I do? He said, well, we have to get all the bleachers off the football field. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Dave, I'm, I'll leave you in charge of that. Alongside the football field being rebuilt, we were rebuilding our town, so it was an end goal to look forward to kind of that fall that we could do something normal because nothing was normal that year. And so on September 5th, with seemingly every one of Parkersburg's 1,900 citizens in the stands and a national audience watching on TV, Ed Thomas gathered his team in a makeshift locker room known as the Bus Barn. Every player that's ever played on that field, I guarantee you, is thinking about you tonight. Fellas, I've been in this for 36 years. I've had some tremendous experiences. 
Nothing is going to be greater than going out there tonight. Where are you from? Just the fact they could play through that devastation and the team, the way they came together. It was definitely emotional, especially after the summer we went through. There's no question in my mind we will be a better school and a better community than we ever were before. Thank you. Big night. Well done. Coach Thomas led the Falcons to an 11-1 record that season. And as winter turned to spring and then summer, the town began to look like itself again. Last June, a little more than a year after the tornado, the football team resumed early morning workouts back in the bus barn. When you're done lifting, you just tell him you're done lifting, and he would say, see you later. Just see you, coach, just like every other day. I mean, you, we uh, had, a, I think, a shooting right now in the bus barn down at the high school. In the bus barn? Yeah. Kids had come running out and said somebody shot Ed Thomas. Ed Okay. Just a few moments after Scott Becker drove away, unbeknownst to him, his older brother Mark, a former Falcon starting lineman who had been recently diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, walked into the bus barn and in front of 22 students, pulled out a gun and shot his former coach seven times. The chief of police told me that it was Ed and that he'd been shot in the head several times and he didn't want me to go in there. So I called Aaron then to let him know what was going on. My mom is probably one of the calmest people I've ever met, but I could hear something in her breath. I knew it wasn't good. It was already on CNN, and that's when we had found out that he had passed away. And I instantly just started thinking about my boys. To tell a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, how, how are you going to explain this? It's kind of like you just get punched in the stomach. I just told her, sorry, I couldn't be here. The Thomas's world was shattered. Across town, another family would soon be stunned to learn that the killer was their own son. My phone's ringing. I pick it up, and it's my neighbor saying, you better get home. There's a lot of squad cars flying up your driveway. A couple of the sheriff deputies filled me in on it was Mark. I can remember, obviously, kind of uh, falling apart there. I called my husband. I said, Dave, did you hear about Coach? And he said, Joan, you've got to get somebody to give you a ride home. I couldn't wrap my mind around how a kid who dad had taught and coached and, and reached out to would ever do something like this to him. My son was responsible for taking such a good man. How do you get over that? He wondered how this was all going to play out. How are we going to live tomorrow? I was concerned about being able to live in this community. The Thomas family immediately addressed those concerns when just hours after the murder, they held a press conference and made an appeal to the town. Nothing could prepare you for what our family, uh, our community is going through. We also want to make sure we express our concern and our compassion for the Becker family. We ask that people pray for them as well. How do you stand up there and offer comfort and prayers to the family of the person who shot your dad? And it took a lot of courage for Aaron to do that. Dad always taught us to lead by example. If we're going to tell somebody to reach out and support the Beckers, and if we're not doing it, um, 
you know, that's not very good character. The day after the murder, Aaron and Todd sought out Scott Becker, one of Coach Thomas's players who was struggling to come to grips with what his older brother had done. Our biggest concern, my brother and I, was just that for Scott to know this wasn't his fault. Right away, they said, we're here with you. That was probably the first time I broke down. Thousands came from across the country to Parkersburg for the funeral. But as the Thomas family mourned, they somehow found the strength to continue consoling the Beckers. This is a note that Jan gave to an usher, and it says, give to Joan Becker. Joan, Dave, and boys, we love you and are here too. Hang in there, Jan T. I'll never take this out of my Bible. Compassion is the driving force in their family. We had hundreds and hundreds of people come to our home. They would say, we just left the Thomases. Jan said to be sure and give you her love. I went down to the mailbox, and there is every square inch of stuff full of thinking of you cards. That's when I realized that it was going to be OK in the community. Two months after the murder, the Beckers returned to Ed Thomas Field to watch their youngest son, Scott, play football again, now led by a new generation of Thomases. As we approached the crowd, of course they turned and looked and just started hugging. Once that kickoff took place, you said a feeling it's gonna be okay. I know Coach wasn't there, but he was there. And it was Falcon football once again. The three things that mattered to Ed Thomas the most were faith, family, and Falcon football. And he dedicated his life to sharing them with the citizens of Parkersburg. Today, a year after his death, his family is left to carry on without him. But just like Coach, they have led by example, showing uncommon strength, faith, and compassion at the darkest of times, revealing the power of forgiveness not just to a town, but the world far beyond it. And it is through the dignity and courage of his family that Ed Thomas's legacy lives on. I'll never be my dad, but if I can have some of the impact he had, I'll feel that's what I'm supposed to be doing. There's no doubt we have been faced with adversity. We made our choice on how we're going to react to it. My hope for the future is to be high school kids again, to just get to be small town Iowa, to move forward but not forget my dad and what he's taught us. Would you please welcome Greg Thomas? Thank you, Thank you. We're very thankful to have Greg here, and this is a friend of mine. And over the years, I've 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 had you share on this a couple of times. And he told me this morning, no matter how many times I share about this, I get a little bit nervous. And um, how many of you are ready to hear from Greg? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Pastor said I had till 5 o'clock. Kickoff's 5.30, so I have till 5 o'clock, but uh, we'll get through it before that. But um, it is an honor and very humbling experience to be here. I appreciate Pastor Russ giving me the opportunity and asking. Um, so many of us have a, sh a story that we could share. For whatever reason, Pastor's the, I'm the one that Pastor called, so here we are. Um, if you ever get a chance to listen to my nephew Aaron um, 
since Ed's death, Aaron goes all over the country and has been invited to speak in several different places. And uh, he really is the one that's gifted in public speaking and does a great job. But uh, um, you're, you're, you're stuck with me today. But I, I would like to talk to you a little bit about forgiveness. But I would uh, like to mention my mom. Um, we, uh, my mom, we, we buried my mom uh, two years ago on her 93rd birthday. But she's, for obvious reasons, she's the, the reason I'm here. But one of the main reasons uh, beyond being my mother is she is the one who was the first one to share her faith with me uh, and our family. And, and she made sure Sunday morning, Sunday uh, for, Bible, or for Sunday school and, and church, and then Sunday night Bible study and Wednesday night youth group, um, it was non-negotiable. We were in church, and, and uh, I know she would, be, she would be happy and she'd be pleased that I was here today. So I just wanted to, to mention Mom first. Um, just a little bit about, uh, about me. Um, I've been married to my wife, Michelle, for almost 33 years now this summer. We've got two adult children. Uh, Madison, our oldest, uh, is 28. She's an electrical engineer at Vermeer and Pella living in Des Moines, and our, our youngest just got married to his high school sweetheart last June or last July, um, Abby Zog and, and Drew. They live in North Liberty, and Abby's in her third year of dental school, and uh, Drew works for the University of Iowa in the admissions office. I'm the youngest of five siblings. Uh, Ed was the oldest, and mom and dad had three kids in five years, and then waited 13 years and had two more of us, and I'm, I'm the youngest, so there's three sisters in between us. Um, I always told my sister, Teresa, that you were the whoops, and they didn't want you to grow up alone, so they planned, they planned to have me. But uh, um, 18 years in between siblings is kind of an interesting thing. Ed, Ed was more like a second father uh, than a brother for a long time while I was growing up. And in fact, anytime I did something wrong, Mom would call Ed and put, put me on the phone with Ed. So... Um, I did retire from public education last June after spending 33 years in public education. I taught fifth and sixth grade for uh, um, 15 years, and then I was an administrator, assistant principal, and activities director for 18 years at Humboldt. And uh, now in my retirement, I'm teaching sixth grade at St. Mary's Elementary and Catholic Elementary in Humboldt. But uh, I do think um, everything happens for a reason, as Pastor uh, mentioned earlier. Um, Pastor called with the invitation to speak here on Thursday, January 4th, and it was the first day we came back from Christmas break. And it also, if those of you that remember, was also the same day that the Perry High School shooting occurred. And the uh, pastor had no idea when he called that I had a connection to Mr. Marburger, Dan. Um, Dan and I were teammates and, and, and good friends. We, there were 16 of us football players at Central that lived in the same house together, and Dan was a year older than the, other, the rest of us, 15, so we affectionately referred to Dan as Papa Burger, but uh, every, everything you read about Dan is exactly right. He, he's, he was just a tremendous man, and, and it's a, it's a sad, uh, sad tragedy that we lost him, but I did, out of, out of Dan's tragedy, I heard the same, same language of forgiveness offered from his family, from his wife and, and, and their children, so, um, you know, talking about... Uh, Football in the Super Bowl Sunday. Ed and I were both uh, football, former football coaches in high school. Um, seems to be with with Pastor calling on the day that Dan was shot, uh, and he died ten years, ten days later. Um, it seems like there was a lot of things pointing me 
in the uh, direction to, to accept the invitation to be here. So, um, and you and I, you both, we've all got out of bed and came here today, so uh, of our own free will. So I think everything does happen for a reason. But I want to take you back to June 23rd, 2009, the Tuesday, the day before my brother was murdered. Um, Ed used to get invited to go. He was a really good offensive line coach. So he used to go around to different places in the state and put on offensive line camps in the summertime. And once in a while, he'd ask me to come with him. And uh, we were, the day before Ed died, um, we were scheduled to go down to Dallas Center Grimes and put on one of those offensive line camps. And it was a, you know, summer can be hot and muggy, but it was unusually hot and muggy that, that day and, and that week. And I had a ton of stuff to do at home, and I really thought about calling Ed and telling him, hey, I can't make it to Dallas Center. And then it rained all the way down, and I thought, well, this will be, get canceled, and I'll be able to go back and work. And um, obviously, I didn't have any idea that that would be the last time I'd ever see my brother alive. But I'm so grateful for those six or seven hours that I got to be with him. Um, like I said, everything does happen for a reason in, in, in my mind. And um, with us siblings, Ed wasn't a real huggy, feely, touchy kind of guy. Um, so it was kind of out of character. After that day was over, he comes over and hands me a little bit of money for helping at camp. And he kind of put one arm around me and gave me kind of a half hug and told me he loved me. And uh, that was a little bit of out of character for our relationship. We knew we, knew we loved each other and we uh, expressed that some, but, but, but that, wasn't, that was a little bit out of character. So um, just a lot of things pointing to... Uh, Things happen for a reason. And then the next morning, June 24th, 2009, um, about 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, my brother was in the weight room. That bus bar, and they converted the weight room, and then after the tornado and, and after they rebuilt the school, they converted that into the bus barn. But uh, that's where they were lifting. 22 students were in, the, in that weight room with my brother, and Mark Becker walked in, pulled out a gun, and shot him seven times. And uh, as you saw that video, Pastor said, uh, um, a year after Ed's death, we got invited out to uh, L.A., go to the ESPYs. Um, ESPN put that video together um, and, and honored our family, gave us the Arthur Ashe Courage Award for our response to Ed's death. Um, so it was an opportunity for Ed's story and our family's story of forgiveness not to go just go beyond the state of Iowa, but also go nationwide when it was on the ESPY Awards. And um, Brett Favre gave the ESPY out to my, my nephews and my, my sister-in-law. But uh, um, that morning at about 8.02, as I remember, uh, or 8.08, I, got, I, was, I was headed down to an administrative uh, conference down in Des Moines to get some hours for recertification. And my brother, or my nephew Aaron, who was at Union Laporte City at that time, was going to that same conference. And my cell phone rang, and it said 808, and it was my nephew. And Aaron came on and said, Uncle Greg, someone just came in to the weight room and shot my dad. And they shot him in the head, and it doesn't look very good. And can you call Grandma and my, aunt, my sister's? And, you know, I just I remember, you can, you can imagine the, the shock and, and disbelief. Um, so I kind of, my wife was getting ready for work too, and she looked at me and said, what's wrong? And I really didn't have many words to say, but I just sat down on the edge of my bed and told her what happened. And uh, 
Um, I remember just when, when, Ed, when Aaron told me he'd been shot in the head, I, I just thought to myself in my heart, I knew I was never going to see my brother alive again. And I just simply asked a, a, said a quick prayer to God and, and asked him, you know, if, if Ed can't be the person that he needs to be, if he can't be the football coach and have the impact that he has with young people, and um, I just prayed that God takes, took him, would take him to heaven and, and be with him. Ed, Ed spent his whole life uh, with one goal in mind, to, to, to get to heaven, and um, in that instant, he was standing before God. And I really can't explain it. Um, God has blessed me almost from the moment I heard about the shooting with this tremendous sense of peace. Um, the best I can come up with is Philippians 4.7. And Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And for whatever reason, um, God has not allowed me to be filled with hatred or malice or ill feelings toward Mark Becker or, or the Becker family. Um, you know, Mark, after late in high school and into college, he, he started making some bad choices in his pro, uh, personal life, got involved in drugs. You heard about the diagnosis with paranoid schizophrenia. And I think we all have choices to make in, in this life. And, and uh, um, we can either live our lives as God would have us for others or we can get caught up in the world uh, of ourselves and, and all the things that the, the world says is important. Um, so it, that, that decision is really us, our, ours. But God's plan is, is always right. God doesn't make mistakes. And in Ed's death, I look at all the good things that have come out of Ed's death, um, the message of forgiveness that was not only spread across Iowa, but at the ESPYs across the country, um, some of his former players decided that they wanted to help start a foundation, so we started the Ed Thomas Family Foundation uh, shortly after Ed's death, and that's helped with a lot of uh, local projects in the communities of Parkersburg and Applington and in the churches there. Uh, we started up a leadership conference for young people. Ed's passion was always helping young people develop into successful and contributing adults in our society, and, and so we felt like uh, a leadership conference uh, for high school kids would, 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 would be exactly what Ed would want us to do. Um, my, my nephew Aaron, like I said, goes all over the country speaking and, and sharing this message. Um, Ed was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, if you can believe that. Um, and then uh, there was a book written called The Sacred Acre, and Pastor has a few copies of that. I'll, I'll let Pastor talk about that later on. but. Uh, um, the devil's, the devil's plan never works. God's plan always prevails. God's goodness, if, uh, if we allow it, God's plan will always bring forth good and love and hope and mercy. And uh, my brother used to say many times, the greatest gift that God gave each and every one of us is the power to choose. And life is made up of about 5% what happens to us and 95% how we react to what happens to us. And... It's completely our choice if we're willing to use things, terrible things like the tornado, like the, the shooting of, of, of Dan or, or my brother, if we're, if we're uh, willing to uh, look for the positives and look for God's plan in those things, um, God will lead us through that. Um, you saw in the video Ed's wife, Jan. Jan 
Jan is a tremendous woman. She, uh, she, and her, she and the boys kind of set the tone for how the family was, what should and would react uh, after the murder. Um, and she's the one who, you know, really struck home that, that message of forgiveness and compassion for the Becker family. Um, you know, Jan couldn't understand why so many people found it hard to understand how her and the boys took that that line of compassion and Jan just being Jan, she just couldn't understand why people couldn't understand that. That's just the way Jan, Jan is wired and the way she's made. She's an amazing woman. She's a strong Christian. She was a big part of Ed's life and be, helping him to be the man that he was. Um, I used to, we used to say that my other siblings and I, <clears throat> there was one woman in this whole world that could have lived with Ed and somehow he found her. Um, <laughs> that video where Ed's mowing the football field, they were married, I, I'm not sure exactly how many years they were married, 30, close to 40 years. I'll bet Ed didn't mow their yard at home more than five or six times in his lifetime. So um, Jan, Jan is a big part of, of our family and always has been. But, uh, you know, um, we can't just offer forgiveness whenever we feel like it. We are called to forgive like Christ forgave us. And I've got a few, mess, or a few passages here I'd like to read. In Matthew 8, 21 and 22, Peter asked Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Seven times? And Jesus said 77 times. And in Colossians 3, 14, the apostle Paul tells us, bear with each one, bear with each and, each one and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And Mark eleven twenty five says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who also is in heaven, will forgive you your trespasses. Ephesians four thirty two, Paul writes, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And then almost every Sunday we recite the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us how to pray and said, and part of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin, sin against us. And then the, the message, that, or the verse that Pastor read opening today, none of those verses about forgiveness sound much like an option to me. And I know it's, it's, it can be very, very hard, and, and, uh, but we need to understand that forgiveness is as much about us who are giving the forgiveness as it is about the person who... Um, did something wrong to us or, or hurt us or in whatever, whatever manner that might be. Um, if we don't offer forgiveness, and my nephew talks about this a lot in his, when he goes around and talks, if we don't offer forgiveness, we can become angry and bitter and we can become less of the person that God's called us to be and we become less of the person that our families, um, our students, our coworkers, our spouses need us to be we become less than, than, than what we possibly could be. So um, that's one of the big reasons forgiveness is so important. Um, the act of truly forgiving someone is one of the most freeing experiences I've ever had. Um, and offering forgiveness doesn't excuse or justify the wrong that's occurred. It just helps us move on in a positive way. And we, we give forgiveness, um, and I think it's important 
to really, when you really truly give forgiveness, it's done and over with and you move on from it. You don't, if it's someone close to you, you don't bring it up two weeks later or six months later or whatever it might be. Um, and not only, like Pastor read, not only are we asked to forgive um, our enemies, but we're also asked to pray for them. And I pray for Mark about as often as I, I think of it, it, which now it's been almost 14 years. It's, it's not as often as it used to be. Um, usually around June 24th, um, I, know I offer up a prayer uh, in Mark's name. And, and uh, um, Mark's dad, I don't know if you caught that in the video, but Mark's dad, Dave, was one of my brother's very first team captains when he first moved to Parkersburg. And so Ed and, Ed, and, Ed and Dave were elders in the church together. Um, so on the 24th, Dave and I usually send a text, sometimes a phone call, but usually a text message. Just text, hey, how's it, nothing long, how's it going? Um, thinking of you today, our families will always, you know, obviously be intertwined, but uh, just hope things are going well. Um, and when I pray for Mark, I ask God to forgive um, Mark for the murder of my brother. I also ask that, uh, I pray that Mark turns his life, and, and for all I know he has, I, I, I don't know, but uh, I truly ask that God comes into Mark's life and opens his heart, and Mark asks for the same forgiveness that each one of us has asked for, and that God maybe can be, use Mark uh, as an instrument for good in, in prison. Um, I can't imagine a greater victory over death for Satan than if Mark Becker would truly repent of his sins and... and one day be in heaven with each one of us. And Luke 15, 7 says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And I don't want you to think I'm an expert at this forgiveness thing because I'm certainly not. Um, a lot of times I've found since June 24th that it's easier to forgive a stranger than it is for us to forgive someone who's close to us. Um, we all have family members, friends that have, have, have said things or done things that have hurt us. And I think sometimes it's much harder to forgive those people uh, because they're people that we trust and they're supposed to care about us. Um, but we're, we're, all made, um, we're all made sinful. We all make mistakes. We all say things we shouldn't say or we wish we wouldn't have said. Um, not too many years ago, a friend of mine and I got mad at each other, and I'm embarrassed to say we didn't speak for about five, six, seven months. And I'm thinking to myself, here I am, this guy that goes around and talks about forgiveness in different places and different opportunities, and uh, I'm not willing to, to try to salvage this friendship. So I called the friend up and asked if I could come talk to him. And, you know, we, we, we talked about our differences and, and uh we asked for forgiveness from each other, we forgave each other, and we moved on and tried to mend our friendship. But a lot of times, like I said, it's a lot harder to, uh, to offer f forgiveness from, from someone close to us that's hurt us. So I just I'd encourage you to think about maybe who do you need to forgive today? Uh, maybe it's a longtime friend, uh, maybe it's a sibling. I doubt if it's Pastor Russ, but maybe it's Pastor Russ. Um, a spouse or maybe an, an ex-husband or ex-wife, a co-worker, a parent. Um, sometimes we, we, we don't understand God's plan, and sometimes we need to offer maybe God forgiveness.
And sometimes I think really is hard is to offer forgiveness to ourselves. So whoever that might be, I just th- encourage you to pray about that. Um, perhaps there's someone who in, in the church today that hasn't spoken to a sibling in a long, long time or something maybe because of inheritance or, you know, how money and, and things, property kind of can skew things. Um, I just want you to consider, I haven't been able to speak to my brother for over 50, almost 15 years now, and that's one of the things I miss the most. Um, we'd see each other six, eight, ten times a year, you know, at family, or, uh, family holidays and things like that. But one of the things I really cherished is when we were both coaching football, we would, we would call each other, especially during football season, and we'd talk on the phone. And Ed wasn't a real conversationalist. Three to five minutes would be a long conversation. But uh, I'd, I'd give almost anything to have that chance to have a five-minute conversation again with him. So I don't know how many of you are. I'm a, country, I'm a country music fan. But Cody Johnson is a big guy in country music right now. And he's got a song out that's entitled Till You Can't. And the song goes through a lot of different scenarios. And it, always, it says... You can always fill in the blank, in this case, offer forgiveness until you can't. So I would just encourage you, if there's someone that you need to talk to, uh, offer forgiveness. Um, Don't let another day go by. And if you're not 100% sure how to do that, I would just encourage you to get, get, there's a lot of more examples in the Bible of forgiveness and how we're called to forgive. Um, I would encourage you to to pray about it. God will will help you. He'll see you through it. I think about Ed's death, and if I could rewrite Ed's death, I would. I would, uh, I would certainly, I would wish him to grow old with Jan and be able to prop, maybe coach his uh, four grandsons in football. Ed would be 73 right now. I'm pretty sure he'd still be trying to coach football if he was physically able to be. Um, when Ed died, um, they had to do an autopsy because of the circumstances of his death. And I remember they shared... We were there with the lawyers and the, and the, and the uh, DCI agents and the family when they shared the, the um, results of the autopsy, and we, obviously we knew what killed him, but uh, we all kind of chuckled that um, Ed had a little bit of heart disease. Um, Ed taught driver's ed for over 30 years, and, which is quite a deal because Ed was the worst driver that I've ever known. <laughs> and now that he's gone... Aaron, his son, has taken over that role. But uh, um, if, if Aaron would have called me June 24th in the morning and said that Ed died in a car accident or died of heart, heart attack or something like that, I would have easily believed that. But I look at all the goodness that's come out of Ed's death, all the opportunities um, that we've had to, to share the story and, and share God's message Ed's death was God's perfect end to Ed's life. And if we're, we go through tough, tough times, if, if, we, if we really, truly look for God's message and God's work in anything that you can imagine as bad as it could be, God will always use that if we let him. And if we put our trust and faith in God, um, he will always use our tough situations for his purpose and glory. I just want to tell you, one of the greatest gifts that each one of us can give our family and friends is to live our lives in such a way that the moment we die, everyone around us knows exactly where we are. 
the moment Ed died, the moment I got a call back and said he didn't make it, I knew exactly where Ed was. I knew he was with his Heavenly Father and that I would see him again. So that's, that's a challenge for all of us to live our faith um, and uh, so everybody in our family knows and, and can have a lot of comfort in where we're at. I guess in closing, I'd just like to offer a few little ideas, and not, they're not rocket science or anything, but I would just encourage, encourage you to pre, uh, pray and read your Bible every day. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep deepening and developing your personal relationship with Jesus. Um, let everyone know that you're a Christian by the way you live, by the way you talk, by the way you behave. Forgive those who trespass against you and to pray for your neighbors. If you would allow me, I'd like to just bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today and thank you for the opportunity that uh, Pastor Russ extended. I'd like to pray for the Marburger family and, and all of the people in Perry as they struggle with the tragedy there that unfolded on June, January 4th. I just pray that you ask them to uh, ask you into your hearts and, and lead them and guide them. I pray that if anyone here today is struggling with forgiveness or perhaps has done wrong to someone and they need to apologize, and I just hope that you work in their hearts and lead them to give them the words and, and uh, the opportunity to heal that relationship and, and give that forgiveness as, as you forgave each one of us in the lowest of and the most sinful times of our lives. You, you were there, you went to the cross and took our sins away. Just pray that you, you be each and every one of us, be with us as we travel home today and thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray, amen.